and welcome to Jen's Guide to Being a Grown-Up. I'm Jen Setrauer, and this is a podcast all about navigating life in your 20s. Here we have a lot of fun as we discuss what it's like to follow God into the somewhat daunting phase of life called adulthood. I have by no means mastered the sacred art of adulting, but I have plenty of wisdom and funny stories to share about how I have stumbled through this phase of my life. You're listening to Jen's Guide to Being a Grown-Up. Class is now in session. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Um, So today's episode is Jen's Guide to Challenging the Gloom. But before we get into that, I would love to talk about what I am loving this week. And um, a few days ago, I took some time away from my phone and even just kind of put some limits on um, social media apps. Um, In fact, I didn't get on Instagram for about three days. And I know people do this all the time, um, but I, whenever I'd hear people talk about like, um, taking breaks from social media, I think, you know what? I don't have a problem. I don't need to take a break from social media. I'm fine. Like I am not addicted to, you know, social media. I'm not addicted to being on my phone. I have a life. You know, you always think that there's something that everybody else has wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with you is what the thought might be. But I had watched, um, a YouTube video about, Um, some of the just damaging effects of um, social media addiction. And I was thinking, well, you know what? I want to put this to the test and just see like what my life would be like if I wasn't on social media for a few days. And so I tried it. I um, removed Instagram specifically from my phone for a few days. And um, within the first day, I noticed myself constantly just by muscle memory, picking up my phone and swiping to try to find Instagram. And it's so funny because you would think like, it's not that big of a deal, but even my muscle memory kept trying to go (laughs) for the app. So in that time away, um, from Instagram and social media, I was trying to be more productive with how I used my time. And I ended up doing a lot more reading, um, reading books. And instead of just filling my, my day and my time with swiping, I spent my day flipping pages and it was refreshing and good for the soul. And so whenever I went back to Instagram after that, I actually found out that I wasn't really missing out on much. Sure, if you're gone for like a weekend or so, you might miss a few um, engagement or pregnancy announcements, but really you're going to be fine. Um, So if you're feeling like um, you've been on your phone all the time and it's just time for a little reset, I would totally recommend just taking a little bit of time away from your phone and being fully present wherever you are. But today is not about Instagram fasts. Today, we're talking about challenging the gloom. Now, challenging the gloom is a phrase that I saw um, a few years ago in a magazine. And I clipped it out and put it on some type of collage I was making for something. And that little phrase has always stuck with me. So whenever I think about um, the stress and anxiety and kind of the cares of the world, I call that the gloom. 
And to me, challenging the gloom is um, when you're faced with really hard circumstances or things that overwhelm you, taking a step back and saying, I'm not going to let this overwhelm me. I'm going to come against this. So, you know, life really can be overwhelming, Um, especially in the days that we're living in where it seems like every day there's some kind of new crazy thing that's happening in the world. It seems like there's a lot of division. It seems like people can't get on the same page. And it just seems like there's a lot of catastrophes that have been happening. And it can be very overwhelming if you let it. Personally, in my life, um, a few weeks ago, I was taking care of some financial things and I realized that there was a bill I was going to have to pay that was really, really huge. And um, it was significantly larger than I thought it was going to be. And I uh, called my mom (laughs) sobbing. Just because when I saw the number on paper, it just, it was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is so overwhelming. And I called my mom and I was just crying. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, mom, what am I going to do? And she said, you'll figure it out. You always do. She's like, don't even think about these things for the rest of the day. Just go lay down, um, watch a TV show, read a book, pray, sing a song, whatever you've got to do. Just don't even think about the stress of this anymore. And so I just, I had some other like, um, other forms and things I was trying to fill out that day, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to save all this stuff for tomorrow. And, um, I spent the rest of the day just reading and, Um, watching some like cooking videos on YouTube. And I woke up the next day and the emotional uh, reaction that I had the day before seemed almost funny. Like I laughed about the fact that I had been so distraught because honestly, um, whenever you have financial pressures or just any kind of pressures in life, they seem like monsters, uh, that you can never defeat in the moment. But when you take some time and gain your composure again, you realize that it's not that bad and it's going to work out, especially if you're trusting in God. So, um, today I'm just talking about, you know, the overwhelming things that happen in life. You know, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Um, The Bible never promises that our lives are going to be sunshine and rainbows, pain-free. As believers, though, we carry the kingdom of God inside of us, even in the midst of hardship. So um, I'm going to be using a lot of scripture today, um, but they're super encouraging and overwhelming. So hang in there with me um, as I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture, but... Today, um, I really want to focus on a scripture from Romans 14, 17, and it says that the kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of God is made up of those three things. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I believe that we can use those three things to challenge the gloom of life. So, um... I used a tool to study this scripture. Um, 
It's called a concordance. And for anybody that's done like Bible studies before, you'll know that a concordance takes the Hebrew words of the Old Testament and the Greek words of the New Testament and breaks them down and gives um, gives the original meaning and context kind of of each word um, that was written in the Bible. So I love sometimes um, to really dissect scriptures by looking at the concordance. So when I was in Bible college in my college days, I had a huge blue um, concordance that I would turn in every time I wanted to look for a, a word. And it was actually like kind of tricky and confusing to use. And it was so big. Um, but I, in the past few years, I found an app that I really love that makes Bible study so easy. And it's called the Blue Letter Bible app. And so for that one, you just look up scripture and you can click on the scripture and go straight to the interlinear, interlinear slash concordance feature. And it breaks down every single word from the passage. So in case any of you are interested in um, studying scripture that way, um, it's just a concordance, and the most effective one that I found is the Blue Letter Bible app, and it was free when I downloaded it, so it might still be free. But today I want to break down those three words, um, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. So let's start off with righteousness. Like, what does it look like to live a life of righteousness? Well, in the Greek, um, the word for righteousness means integrity virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling and acting, and living a life that's acceptable to God. I love that. Um, righteousness is not just like a state of being, but it's even a lifestyle. It's the way that we live. And it's ex when we are living in a righteous way, we are living in a way that's acceptable to God. One scripture that I love that's kind of a promise for those who live out righteousness comes from Psalm 8411. And it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Or other translations say, No good thing does he withhold from those who um, walk in righteousness. So that's like one benefit of walking in righteousness is that the Lord withholds nothing from those who walk uprightly, those who are seeking to live a life that's pure and that's virtuous and um, having integrity. Another one is from Matthew 5, 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So when you're living a life that's pure um, you're going to see God. You're going to have revelation. You're going to um, be able to discover Him in new ways. When you are walking in integrity and living virtuously, you're not always stressed about covering things up. You can live candidly knowing that God approves of your lifestyle and that He's actually blessing the way that you live. Um, one example of this is, have you ever told like a little just small, seemingly insignificant white lie. And then you found that it's really hard to keep it up and cover up whatever that first thing was that you're lying about. 
I've totally done this before. When I was younger, I think I might have like told somebody that I wasn't at a place, but I was actually at another place so that I wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings or something like that. But then you end up telling this lie and then um, you kind of forget that you told the lie, but then you somebody starts asking more questions about it and then the lie has to get bigger and bigger and then you're just walking around really stressed being like I hope they don't found out that I lied or have you ever um you've found yourself accidentally saying something um unkind about somebody and you just have this really sick feeling like oh what if the person that I said this unkind thing to tells the other person that I said it, and it just makes you feel stressed and sick to your stomach. Those are just some examples of when you're not living out a life of integrity, you feel stressed out and you feel like on edge. But when you're walking a life of purity and virtue and integrity, you know that the Lord has put his stamp of approval on your actions and you don't have to live in the shadows, but you can live candidly. Sure, we're all going to make little mistakes from time to time, but when you have that heart posture of wanting to live with integrity and rightness before the Lord, it infiltrates your thoughts and your feelings, and then it's translated to your actions. And that way you never have to live a life where you're trying to hide, you know, things you've done or said, but you can live fully open and proud of the way that you've acted (laughs) and the things that you've said. So the first way to challenge the gloom is living a life of righteousness. The second part of the kingdom and the second way we're going to challenge the gloom is through peace. Okay. So when I was studying out the word peace in the Greek, it said that it means several things. One thing that it means is national tranquility. So, um, within a nation, peace is tranquility and harmony, um, among a whole people group or a whole nation. Another thing that it means is peace between individuals. It also means security and safety. And um, the last definition that it gave, I love this one so much. It really hits home. It says that peace is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its er earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Whoa. (laughs) So it's a state of the soul that rests assured. It's not afraid of the future, but it's content in God and whatever may come. So there's a couple of different elements of peace that I'd like to talk about in the way that we live. And the first one is having peace between yourself and other individuals. So you don't want to live your life with enemies that are people. Because our enemies are not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and things that come against the kingdom of God. So you don't want to live your life with enemies that are people. Um, Whenever I was younger, probably when I was in high school, I used to always joke about people that I didn't get along with or people that I had beef with, and I called them my nemesises. And if somebody said one of those people's names, I'd be like, ugh my nemesis. I really just can't stand her. And (laughs) it seemed very silly and funny at the time just to have a nemesis. But honestly, you shouldn't live your life with people as nemesises because 
everybody is a child of God and we should be wanting the best for people even if we don't like that person very much. It's so important that we walk in love with everybody that's around us. Even if you don't like someone, you don't have to be their best friend, but don't curse them or slander them. Pray for your enemies and bless your enemies and bless them until your heart can truly love them. Um, I found sometimes the Lord even asks me to like give financially to people that I don't gel with. There was this girl one time that just really got on my nerves, if I'm being completely honest. I just didn't really, um, she just rubbed me the wrong way. You know, sometimes there's people that rub you the wrong way. And the Lord was like, you need to take her out to lunch and buy her a meal. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to buy her a meal. I don't want to bless her. <laughs> But I felt like I needed to be obedient and do it. So I took this girl out, bought her a meal. And by the end of it, I felt like she was truly my friend. And um, I no longer thought of her as a nemesis anymore, but I thought of her as a friend. So it's so important that we live our lives with peace, with at peace with other people that are around us. And another way that we can live with peace is living with peace as a state of being. You're not constantly unraveled and unsettled about your past. And you're not just thinking about your past and all of the horrible things that have happened in your past. And you're not living in fear of your future, but you're settled, you're, you're secure, you're content right here in the present moment. And you just trust God um, in every single area of your life, just trusting him that he's going to prosper any area of your life. Um, I have a perfect example of this. And that was when, um, Jesus was sleeping during the storm. Um, and him and his disciples were on a boat and the, the sea and the storm was raging all around him. And his disciples, disciples started to panic and they're like, Jesus, wake up. We're about to die. This boat's about to be flooded. And, you know, it was good that they woke him up because rightly so, the storm really was about to crash their boat. And Jesus rebuked the storm. And um, I think he even rebuked his disciples and said, you have little faith. You know, he was able to sleep when chaos was around him because he was at peace. I have a friend who is just like this, and I've gotten into little arguments with her about it because um, sometimes I'm more prone to worry about things. And you know when you're worried about something and then whoever you're with isn't worried and you're trying to talk some sense into them, like, come on, you need to worry about this. This is big. This is horrible. Worry about this. And then they're just like, no, like I'm not going to be worried. Well, when I was in ministry school, I lived with my best friend, Michelle McFarland, and we live in Northwest Alabama, or I should say I live in Northwest Alabama at the time we both did. And, um, in Northwest Alabama, we're kind of at the tail end of tornado alley. And so a lot of times during the spring, we have tons of severe weather and we're kind of in tornado watch and tornado warnings all the time. I never understood how serious that was because I lived in Georgia all of my life and we've gotten bad storms, but it wasn't anything like living literally in tornado alley. 
So I remember a time when Michelle and I lived together and there was one day that we were home in the afternoon and I was watching the news and there was a, a, um, a tornado warning um, saying that there was a tornado coming right to where we were living. And I was like, Michelle, we've got to go. Like, we've got to figure something out. I'm really scared. I'm really stressed. And she's like, Jen, I'm not stressed. We're going to be fine. And I was just still freaking out. And she's like, no, we already prayed about it. We're already in a safe place. Like there's no reason to be upset or stressed out. And um, before the storm hit, we just drove and got some dinner, went back to the apartment where we were safe. And <laughs> like, I don't even think the storm touched down anywhere near us. And I just want to be able to live with that kind of secure trust in the Lord where I fully know that He's going to take care of me and I'm not sitting around trying to solve things with my worry. I want to read that definition one more time um, about peace because it's just it's just the way I want to live. Um, peace is the tranquil state of the soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. I want to live content with whatever life might bring my way, knowing that I can trust in God. Okay, and so the last way that we're going to challenge the gloom is with the third part of the kingdom, joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, I just love it. Just saying it makes me so excited and happy. Sometimes I wish that my name was Joy. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, whenever you get to heaven, Jesus is going to give us a new name. Sometimes I secretly wonder if my name is going to be Joy in heaven. So um, in the Greek, the word for joy means gladness, cheerfulness, and calm delight. And it kind of takes me back to that definition of peace, like just having a state of the soul, like who you are inside is calmly delighted in God. Um, I want to say this too. This is like a big thing um, to me whenever I'm talking about joy. Joy is not like a disposition or character trait, and it's not a mood, but it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that comes into our life when we are planted firmly in God's orchard. And it's just something that comes out of us because the Spirit produces that in us when we are living a life surrendered to Him. Um, I want to say, too, joy is not a reaction to good circumstances. Um, we see this in James 1-2. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Wait, what? Trials of various kinds? Shouldn't I be crying on the floor? Shouldn't I be sobbing on the phone with my mom? No, trials of various kinds are what we should count joy. Um, so when bad things happen, joy is a fruit that springs up in us because um, trials and tribulations bring out that fruit from inside of us. Uh, another classic scripture about joy that I just, it just saying it out loud just totally changes everything about how I think and feel. Proverbs 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. 
In your presence, there is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What does that mean? It means that when we live surrounded by his presence, we are filled to the brim with joy straight from Jesus, with the joy that's straight from heaven. Oh, I love that so much. John 15, 11, um, Jesus is speaking, speaking and he's talking to his disciples about abiding in the Father's love and keeping his commandments. And he says this, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. What does it look like when our joy is made full? It means we're abiding in the Father's love and keeping His commandments. All right, and the last scripture I want to share about joy is um, from Psalm 30, verse 5. And it's talking about the Lord, and it says, For His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning, which means, you know, circumstances will last for a little bit, but rest assured that joy is on the horizon. I like to think of it as the sunrise, just like we know that the sun is going to rise every morning. We know that there's a promise of joy every time that we encounter, um, weeping every time we encounter sorrow and strife and stress and just a general feeling of overwhelm we know that joy is coming in the morning you know joy is like medicine for the soul oh and genuine jesus joy is so powerful it's contagious and it truly sets us apart as believers So if you are um, experiencing any kind of feeling of being overwhelmed, any feelings of stress or anxiety, I just want to encourage you to um, challenge that gloom. I want to encourage you to um, just think about your life and just think about different ways that you can actively live in a way that fights that feeling of overwhelm. You're living righteously. You're living filled with peace. You're living a life of joy. And how much does that change the things around you? Now, one thing I do want to say is um, what's so ironic is a lot of times whenever um, you're about to be speaking on a specific topic, um, that very thing that you're speaking about can kind of come against you and kind of test the word that you have. Well, um, today when I was looking over these notes in my outline and just kind of getting all of this prepared, I had such a feeling of stress and just this overwhelmed feeling of just chaos that just filled my whole body. And I was so... I was just so stressed out and there was not really even anything specific. I was just thinking about some different stuff I have coming up for work and just different um, circumstances in life. And I just started to feel just panicked and overwhelmed and just wanted to cry. And (laughs) I want to be vulnerable because I feel like this will help somebody. But I I genuinely got to the point that I felt so stressed that I put on um, one of my favorite albums, which is the Cageless Birds album. Um, It's We Rise and We Bow. And um, I put on this song by Melissa Helser called Why Does Snow. I put it on. I have like a little 
vinyl record player. Why can't I think of what that's called? <laughs> I have a record player and I put my vinyl on. I cranked it up and I just laid on my carpet and just laid there and listened to the song. And I, I, it's like, you know, when you don't even have tears to cry, you're just past the point of tears. I just laid there and just breathed. <laughs> and I was just stressed. And you know what I did? I picked up the phone and I FaceTimed a friend and asked her to pray for me. And as soon as I got off of that phone call, I was laughing. Um, the feeling of stress had left. And suddenly I was so excited for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week. Um, and sometimes you just have to be proactive when those feelings of stress and chaos kind of come. You just got to be ready to fight it off. Um, and just live out God's principles and it's all going to be okay. All right. And now it's time for Jen's tip of the week. So as we've been talking about today, times and seasons in our lives can sometimes feel super overwhelming and even miserable. If you are feeling overwhelmed and the gloom is too much for you to bear by yourself, call a friend and reach out to somebody. God's plan was never for you to feel isolated and alone, but God's plan is to put you in a family and surround you with a community who can lift you up. And that's what friends are for. When one of you is feeling down, the other one lifts the other up and vice versa. That's what it means to be there for you. So if you're going through a time where you're feeling stressed out and overwhelmed, don't hesitate to reach out to somebody. Communicate honestly how you are feeling and open up your heart to godly encouragement. You know, sometimes I can be so prideful that I don't even want to admit to people that I'm close to that I'm going through a hard time. But humility is so necessary whenever you are um, seeking help. It's so important to just humble, humble yourself before your friends and your loved ones and say, listen, I'm stressed or I don't know if I can deal with this on my own and just seek prayer and you will be amazed by how much that helps. So if you're feeling like you're in a season of um, just feeling overwhelmed or if you're feeling miserable or if you're feeling totally down, reach out to somebody and that is definitely going to help lift your spirits. Okay, and now it is time for Jen's Guide to Quiet Time. Um, I'm circling back to that scripture in James 1, verses 2 through 4, but this time we're looking at it in the Passion Translation. It says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Wow. <laughs> Um, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Whoa, <laughs> that's how the kingdom of God works. When we experience um, trials, when we experience difficulties, when we're faced with hard things, it's a chance 
to grow, and it's a chance to experience joy. Um, It's going to test you. It's going to test your heart. It's going to test your faith, but it's going to strengthen you, and you're going to be able to endure more than you ever thought possible. So let's meditate and reflect on this passage. My first question I have is, what are some difficulties that you have been facing in this current season of life? Like this one might even be kind of a hard one to sit with, but I want to encourage you to just sit with that question for a minute and even journal. What are some hard things that you've currently been facing? My next question is, how do you think that God might be using these tough things to provide opportunities to press through from despair to joy? So just think about those circumstances and just think about how God might be using these. And now I want you to take a few of the tough things that you are going through currently and ask the Lord himself what good could come out of these things. And then lastly, thank him. Thank him for the opportunities that you have um, to find joy, endure all things, and for his perfect, um, for the way that he perfects the work in your heart. And I always like to end with a prayer just to seal the word that we've heard this week. So I want to pray, Father, I thank you that you are good and you are constant. When life in this earthly kingdom seems to be full of chaos and calamity, I will remind myself that I belong to a different kingdom. Thank you that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I ask you to help me challenge the gloom from day to day as I walk in the kingdom way instead of living in stress and despair. Lead me and guide me and fill me with your spirit afresh and anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today to Jen's Guide to Challenging the Gloom. Um, I hope this has been super helpful. Hey, you know what? If you've been tuning in for a little while and you've been enjoying this podcast, I would like to ask if you would want to leave a review. Um, Leaving a review helps to get the word out there for other people to discover this podcast, and I would truly appreciate any feedback um, if you've been enjoying the podcast. And as always, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me over at Instagram at jen.zetrauer. I hope that the rest of your week is amazing and I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.